What's going on, guys? Welcome to episode four of the Pure Potential Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Patterson. You can follow me on Twitter at paulpattersonff. And today I'm joined by a very special guest. He's the man behind the curtain at Fantasy Points. He's one third of the Dynasty Points podcast, and he's a good friend of mine, Thomas Tipple, a.k.a. El Nostra Thomas. How you doing, buddy? I am happy to be joining another uh, Bulletproof program, another pro Bulletproof situation here. I'm happy you're doing your own thing. I told you this before. I DM'd you this before. This is what I wanted to see from you. I've enjoyed the previous episodes. I'm happy to be one of the few chosen thus far. I'm re- I'm ready to get into it. And I won't blow everybody's eardrums talking about the Ravens. I know that's what everyone's waiting for. <laughs> that's I know what I'm waiting for. I it, it's it's what is expected of me. But we'll we'll tap into that. But yes, you can find me at El Nostra Thomas everywhere. That's Twitch, Instagram, the amateur porn site known as x.com at anywhere, anywhere you can have a handle. That's where you'll find me anywhere. And LinkedIn. You, you should do that. Yeah. I don't even dude. I don't have a LinkedIn. <laughs> I'm blue collar. Like there's yeah. no, our LinkedIn is like calling the opposing company across the street and being like, I'm ready to go. Get that's, out the Rolodex. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Literally we have a Rolodex at work. I'm not kidding. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, I am happy to have you here. You've definitely, you've been a supporter of mine for quite some time now. I've enjoyed chatting with you over on your show. I thought it was about time to bring you over here to the brand new Pure Potential podcast. So we are going to start with the playoffs. We don't have to get too deep into the feels about the Ravens if you don't want to. But as far as I'm concerned, the championship weekend did not go the way I was hoping. I was looking for a Ravens-Lions Super Bowl. I got the opposite. But it was a perfect outcome for people who enjoy being mad online. We got Travis and Taylor Swift going to the Super Bowl, so we got plenty of people mad about that. We have a resurfacing of the classic Lamar can't win the big one discussion. Mm. We have relentless mockery of just poor, helpless, defenseless Lions fans who have truly been through enough. And a performance by Brock Purdy that's going to set the QB wins debate back about another decade. So where should we start amongst those storylines, you think? Brock will go last. We're going to fire off. Look, I called watching the game. For anyone that doesn't know, my fiance is finally fully in as a football fan. I don't know how I've worked this. Not only does she watch regular season baseball uh, daily in season, but is a full-fledged betting degenerate and newfound 49ers fan. Now, you can call her a bandwagon if you want. She loves George Kittle. I don't ask questions. She has a thing with wrestling fans. (laughs) That's, you know, it just is what it is. But we were watching this game, and before the strip sack, after Kansas City had scored again, I said, first team to turn it over loses. It's just how it is. I've watched this enough times to know. Strip sack came. I made peace with them losing that game the rest of the way. There was no anger. There was no... Nothing like that. Despite what my Twitter feed will say, that is copium. That is not anger. That is different. Uh, The one thing that did make me mad is they gave me hope in the second half. They played better in the second half. They clearly made adjustments. 11 rushes is inexcusable. That's a hardball problem. He needs to go. Um, Because every one of their big losses in the playoffs, they've gotten away from the run, and they haven't dictated the game. He's yeah, I saw something crazy go. on uh, on Twitter that was like a, a quote resurfaced from 
four years ago that was like, yeah, we, we really got to get Gus Edwards more than three carries in the game. And it was like the exact same situation had happened before where the Ravens lost because they didn't run. It was the Titans game uh, where the Ravens lost to the Titans. And it was exactly the same thing where Harbaugh said they got him off their game and they didn't establish the run and then they lost and then they let it happen again. Yeah. And it's him, right? Like he doesn't pressure his coordinators in game. He lets them do his thing. And that has been a, a very good method for him when he has had players that will do that for him. When he took over the team, obviously Ed and Ray were there. And if John did something that they didn't like, they just told him and it changed. They were the team. Flacco didn't have to be managed as much. They just let him go out there and do it. He doesn't micromanage enough at his position, which is why I also think we're seeing an end to the do-it-all coach in the NFL. There are specialist coaches. There's very few do-it-all type guys that are out there. That's true. And, and it solely has to, to do with that in Baltimore. Now, aside from that, say Flowers, dude. I, I, I play football for almost a decade, and I coached at a decently high level here in Canada. Take that for what you will. Why do you reach the ball out with three defenders near you when if you watch where he gets hit and where he lands, he would have just landed in the end zone? Add on top of that, the NFL calling a penalty, which was a penalty. I don't care. That's a taunting penalty. Regardless of how you feel about whatever Kelsey did or whatever narrative, he earned that 15-yarder. And then the fumble. That's what really made me mad. Not the fact that Isaiah likely got tackled well before the ball touched the defender's hands or the holding call that was missed as well. None of that because you it's your fault if you let the refs dictate the end of a game. That yeah, is the I mean, team's sends fault. a flowers directly to prison. I don't I don't yeah. care. But uh, I mean, they, they call them rookie mistakes for a reason, right? He's hopefully going to learn from it, but he does it all do the that. time. You just can't do that. I mean, it's just a. And he's not a young rookie, okay? So he's 23 and a half years old. He should know better. This isn't but, week three. You know no. what I mean? Like, he's had drop problems. He's He ran the wrong route a couple of times. He He's just... He was, wasn't there. And he's, I don't think he's the team's number one. So we're right back to the same situation of what they do there. Yeah, that's, that's and they're probably not going to make a lot of changes. I mean, they were the number one seed in the AFC. They got the buy. They're probably going to bring back Monk, and they're definitely bringing back Harbaugh, obviously. So you get to just endure another year of that, I guess. Well, I don't know if they're for sure bringing back Harbaugh. They address the media tomorrow, and if Harbaugh comes in and does his same song of you know, we, we got to do a better better job of monitoring our situations and keeping guys in rhythm and in the game and, and sticking to our game plan, and, and, we're, and we're real close. I think all of Baltimore will be set on fire <laughs> for a reason that isn't crime-related for once. It'll just be about Harbaugh. Oh, that press conference would be a crime against Yeah, humanity. and he does it every year. Go back, do yourself... A favor and go back and watch every exit press conference for the Ravens. Harbaugh says the same thing, yeah, word for word. Yeah, I think and, the problem with these with these specialist coach or these non-specialist coaches is you get to these games where things don't go right and people look around and they're like, "Wait, what is it you do here? 
You know, what is it's like Nick Sirianni too with the with the Eagles loss, where it's like he doesn't run the offense anymore, he doesn't run the defense. It's like, what exactly is it that you do? Are you supposed to motivate players? Because the players didn't look motivated and they definitely weren't, you know, ready to play. So what do you bring into the table? Right. Yeah, and that's it. And they talk a lot about his special teams, Harbaugh does, and look, their special teams is always good. Sands the punt return touchdown. Or was it punt or a kick return touchdown? Punt return that they gave it versus Houston. They're only points. He does a great job of he has a plan. There's prep. This is how we're going to do it. This is how we are going to attack it. Great job. Does not do a great job putting the onus on his coordinators at all. He has mentored Lamar Jackson. He has been very forward thinking in the the thing that middle-aged men online have like the hardest time dealing with, which is the quote unquote analytics and going for it. They have always been forward thinking. They, he is okay with ingenuity and, and evolving. And not a lot of guys are ready to go from Flacco to Lamar Jackson. He went all in and bought in. I think that's great. Time to change that philosophy a little bit. I don't want to see him go, but this press conference tomorrow will. This is Tuesday. Uh, the We're recording 30th. on Tuesday, yeah. Yeah, so if, if you know, go and find me at Thomas on X.com, and I'll let you know exactly how I feel about that that press conference. It'll Sounds It'll good. tell a lot. It'll tell a lot. All right, well, let's talk for a minute about the other team that lost, uh, despite holding a 17-point lead at one time. The Detroit Lions, heartbreaking defeat. I'm not a Lions fan, and I felt bad. I mean, I wanted to see them go. I love Amara St. Brown. I love Jameer Gibbs, Sam Laporta. I mean, as a dynasty player, it's just a it's a dream offense. And and I like what Dan Campbell's doing over there. I like the aggressiveness. A lot of people think the aggressiveness is the reason they lost that game. I would like to talk about that just for a minute. I know everybody's had their opinion. Everybody's put their two cents in on that. As far as I'm concerned, I got no issue with either of those fourth down calls. The only coaching decision that I have a serious problem with in that game is running it on third down when there was a minute left and having to burn Terrible. a timeout. That was unexcusable. But I got no problem with the fourth downs. I, I'm curious, what's your take on that? And, you know, are you here to to rail against? I know you're not anti-analytics, but um, did you feel like he was doing the right thing in the moment or yeah, take the kick? You believe her in momentum? I So I, again, played a long time and on the field uh, I believe momentum is real I think that there's truly deflating situations in a game these guys are not robots Mm. these things can happen however he went for it more than any other coach in the league and we loved him for it I wanted him to not kick it before halftime I said go for it go up 21 Put the game away. They kicked it. I was sad. You can't help when the ball hits your receiver dead in the chest and he drops it. You cannot help that your running back fumbles the ball inside the 25. And you can't help that you had 17 points hung on you partly because you got stopped on fourth down as well. You do that every time. You do not expect those three things to happen back to back to back. And then with that, you got Jared Goff turning into a pumpkin 
under pressure, which is what he does, missed multiple throws towards the end of that game and gave them a chance. Yeah, and the Purdy interception that turned into a 51-yard catch, that was also fairly improbable. I mean, it was a number of really unfortunate things well, in a row. DBs could catch, they'd be wide receivers. Yeah. It's been said for years. They should and, just put something, they should just put an extra sticky glove on the face mask so that they can catch those balls better. <laughs> it's hard to track that football, man, but also let's let's not act like that wasn't PI as well, but that's a whole other conversation to have that people they there was a flag thrown on that play mind you uh, they did they if, did pick it up they said yeah. they said no flag on the play so i'm not sure what what went on there it seemed like they called it and then they didn't call it it's yeah. possible that there was interference there For but sure. e- either way there were these, it these matter, ridiculous but... plays that happened and yeah. I, just to say that they lost because they went on fourth down is is ludicrous i've seen some really good takes on this though jacob wrote a good article on it on his uh sub stack when, when doesn't he Right. When doesn't he? Yeah. He just, you know, let's put 3000 words together on this real quick and just send it out. Just reference Harry Potter. Yeah. It, um, <laughs> look, it's, it's, it's a classic case of, yeah, go for it. Never kick it. Fucking pedal to the metal, no matter what. Oh, not like that. No, right. I wouldn't have done it there. I well, would have made the right decision. It's, well, I- yeah, it's I've just, seen these these takes. They're so funny because it's been framed as if kicking the field goal or not going for it is the masculine choice. Like all the like football bros are like, you got to kick the field goal, and all the nerds are like, no, we want to you know put the offense out there and we want to just punch them in the mouth. And it just seems so backwards that we're the ones. The spreadsheet nerds are the ones that are pushing for the aggressiveness and pushing for the like. Let's actually go for the throat here. And, uh, you know, you want to talk about the stuff analytics doesn't know. Okay. Well, it doesn't know that the lions have basically the worst kicker in the NFL who hits from that range, like 66% of the time when the league average is like well over 70%. He's much lower from 45 plus. I believe he's 45%. He's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. It's badly. Like it's not, there's a reason they went for it all year. And it's, I think that. Having that kind of disparity saying the high T football bros want to, you know, play it like it was in the 80s and they're having being nerds. There's guys on both sides. The only way you get to determine if it's right or wrong is if it works or not. And there's no other there's no other way to really question it because you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. If he makes it, he's a genius. If he if he doesn't, he's a moron. Yeah. It's, it's the results-based it analysis that frustrates it, me, though, you know? If he would not have done it all year, and right. all of a sudden, he changed, and now he's going for it for no reason, or what seems to be no reason, I would question his decision-making. He did it all year. And had them up 17. And yeah. then, like Lemony Snickets, a series of unfortunate events just <laughs> unraveled. And all of a sudden, his receivers are getting hit in the chest. Jamison Williams struggles at doing the one thing you have to do as a wide receiver. Jameer Gibbs, who had been amazing all year, fumbles the ball. And you get stopped. Dude, 
You know what it reminds me of? Just to Terrible. make sure, just to match Jacob in terms of Harry Potter references. It's like in the movie when um, Harry's broomstick starts going crazy because Quirrell is like muttering a curse under his breath. It mm-hmm. felt like someone started muttering a curse at the Lions. Like they were just absolutely rolling. 17 point lead. They're driving again. They miss that fourth down. All of a sudden they're cursed. Like they literally can't hold on to a football no matter what they do. They can't pick up a first down. They can't move the ball. They can't stop anything. It was like on a dime. Everything just shifted the other direction. It was ridiculous. I, I haven't seen anything like it in a while. It's just the game that it is. That is what football is. The only bad and piss poor decision that was made was the run. If you run the ball there, you better have another play called in the huddle. Because you do not wait for them to call that timeout. You yeah. run another play. If no, I were that absolutely was. If I was going to question anything and say that's why they lost the game, that's it for me. Because you cannot take that timeout. I want coaches to understand that it is better for you to take the five-yard penalty there if you had to on a play clock or whatever you were trying to avoid than it is to call that timeout. Timeouts there more valuable than maybe calling a shitty play or not having it lined up correctly or whatever issues could happen in that scenario. You cannot call that timeout. You call two plays in the huddle. We're going to run the ball. If it doesn't work, we're going to get up and we're going to do this. Yeah. And you just do that. That should be prepped for. It wasn't. That, to me, was the only boneheaded decision that was made. Absolutely. Well, that's two teams. We don't really need to say anything about the Chiefs. They're going to the Super Bowl again. It's super annoying. They're too good, and, and nobody likes them. But on the other side of the ball, we've got the, the Niners. We've got Brock Purdy. You mm-hmm. are a noted Brock Purdy lover, obviously. You Wouldn't think he's there. like a top-five quarterback in the NFL. No, I'm mm-hmm. just kidding. I'm, I'm misrepresenting you. But your wife's a 49ers fan because she has a crush on George Kittle. True. These are all facts. And another fact is that Brock Purdy just wins games, right? And that's, I mean, that's the number one skill of a quarterback in the NFL is just racking up those W's. So mm. what do you have to say about Brock Purdy after yet another victory going to the Super Bowl? Him and Mark Sanchez have the most wins by any second-year quarterback, uh, playoff wins in NFL history. So it's got to count for something, right? Being tied with Mark Sanchez. I'll say this. Your team, like your favorite quarterback, uh, is not going to end up in San Francisco. So stop bitching about it. You can't do anything about it. And you can complain about EPA and how many picks get dropped. And oh, but he has IU, can Kittle and McCaffrey, the supposed uh, MVP of the league, Christian McCaffrey, by the way. Mm-mm, not so much. There's nothing you can do about it but accept what is happening. And that he is a 20, what, what is he, 23, 24? He's the second year in the league, Jared Goff, and and a potential Kirk Cousins in his in his 30s. Joke's and, on you, man. My favorite quarterback is Sam Darnold, so he's on the 49ers. Future Super Bowl champion, <laughs> Sam Darnold, the GOAT. He will be if Brock Purdy gets hurt in the first quarter. Sam <laughs> Darnold will win the Super Bowl. Uh, I still think the Chiefs are inevitable, but no way to me that we are still talking about how Brock Purdy is just a jag and an offense that's good 
with a coach who's good. He's Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, Jimmy Garoppolo's not scrambling for those 50 yards and making the plays outside of the pocket that Brock Purdy would. He's just not. We know this. We've seen Jimmy try to take two steps to his right and throw the ball. It's not good. He is providing more, especially talking about fantasy, than your favorite quarterback is probably on a week-to-week basis. And guess what? He's going to be on the 49ers next year. He's going to be on the 49ers the year after that. And his weapons aren't necessarily going to completely age out. I don't expect McCaffrey to just fall off of a cliff. And guess what? I remember a time when it was the running back in San Francisco that was replaceable. Oh, any running back that goes to Kyle Shanahan's offense, that's that's, that's 1,300 yards. They, they can catch 30 passes, 50 passes. It's a Shanahan running offense. All the way back to his daddy, Mike. I'm old enough to remember that. Mike, uh, you know, just horrendous running backs. But Ruben Drones, 1,000-yard rusher in this offense. But no, yeah. it's, it's McCaffrey now that's making it. Well, McCaffrey's not the MVP. And I understand. he's yeah. obviously benefiting from a great situation as well. 100%. But I think the issue with Brock Purdy is just... That there's two, there are two arguments that are coinciding with each other. And one of them is a real life football argument, which is like, is Brock Purdy really what he looks like on the field or is he a product of the system? And then there's a fantasy argument where that really doesn't matter much. Mm-hmm. And we need to separate our perception of his talent from his production. Because with quarterbacks, like talent matters, but more in a binary way. If you're good enough to remain the starter, the talent is kind of secondary to how many fantasy points we can project you to score. Like Justin Fields isn't a good quarterback in my opinion, but if he's going, if I can be assured he's going to start a certain number of games, I can be very confident in him as a fantasy asset. Like you tell me he's going to start 16 games. Okay, great. I'll draft him and redraft in the fifth round because he's going to run for a thousand yards. If you guarantee me Brock Purdy's going to start for the Niners, he's going to have a lot of value because that's a team that's going to score fantasy points he's going to be throwing touchdowns, whether or not he's manufacturing those touchdowns is sort of secondary. So I see you there and I totally get this argument, but at the same time, I deep, deep down, I'm also a football fan who enjoys discussing great players and doesn't enjoy when not great players are discussed as being better than great players. And it it just, it frustrates me. And I don't think that Brock Purdy is a great player. I think he's better than Jimmy Garoppolo for sure. But when people go around talking about how much better he is than, say, Justin Herbert, because he's just won so many more games, that gets under my skin a little bit. That's being too plugged into the Internet. Like, I, as soon as I hear something like that, I just go, yeah, I don't care. Because I, <laughs> I it like it just immediately doesn't matter to me. And I stay out of it because, I mean, I've, I've tweeted at you in good fun. And I've poked, I've poked at you in your wonderful bulletproof Discord just because I, I, I like poking fun at the argument because I just think of how ridiculous it is. Yeah. If Brock Purdy goes out and wins a Super Bowl against the Chiefs, it's still not going to matter to him. What, like, what does he have to do? Get traded and still do it? Do you know how few people have done that? And let me tell you about system quarterbacks, Paul. Did you know that the guy whose jersey I'm wearing, people can't see me right now, but Peyton Manning ran the same system his entire career. Tom Moore was his offensive coordinator as a rookie. Peyton Manning 
learned that system so well, he had it memorized. So when Tom Moore finally aged out, I think in his 70s, if I'm not mistaken, could be wrong at his age, guess what system he took to Denver? Guess what system he had at the end of his Colts career? Is Peyton Manning a system quarterback who was constantly filled with top-tier talent? No one talks about it. Guess what Peyton Manning had? Not the strongest arm. Jokes about it himself. But he was accurate and put the ball on time. But he's the GOAT. He also had two Hall of Fame running backs. And then Joseph had died, but that's besides the point. But we're, like, it's it's getting ridiculous. Tom Brady also, was is he a system guy? I mean, he had a couple of systems to work with, but early in his career, before he was putting up unbelievable fantasy point statistics with Josh McDaniels and his system. Now, he didn't have the talent, obviously, aside from that insane season that they had. I think it was 2007. But if we're going to make the systems argument, can we, like, do it in good faith? Most yeah. elite quarterbacks are system quarterbacks. I mean, I think every quarterback to an extent is yes. reliant on supporting cast and the offensive scheme. It's a team sport at the end of the day. But I think that there are levels to this. And to me, it's it's pretty simple. I, the way I think of it is like, if I could take a quarterback and put mm -hmm. them on the 49ers, mm -hmm. do I think that they would experience the same amount of success or more? And would they look as good or better doing it? And I look around the league and there's like at least a dozen quarterbacks that I know for sure I'd rather see running that system. And that's, that's where I'm at with everybody's like, Oh, you can't knock him for being in the system. I'm not going to knock him in fantasy, but when we start talking about how he's, Oh, he's top 10 because he has all these wins. Well, okay. But if I say, what if I put Justin Herbert on this team, you have to then say with a straight face that you don't think he'd be winning the same games. And that's where it all falls apart to me. And I, and I, you know, your point about just being too online, painfully true absolutely mm. true <laughs> i gotta just wrong with it i just, just close the app is the better move but um but for me that's that's where it all comes in i got nothing against the guy himself i think he, he seems like a cool guy it's a cool story it just unfortunately people can't keep it in perspective it seems again i don't have a strong opinion on this and i and look i don't want someone to come up and tell me like oh, i heard on paul's podcast you called brock purdy peyton manning and tom brady no it's just you a did. point it's it's just a point to what it is. I mean, maybe he'll finish. Maybe he'll have more rings than Manning when he's done. I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. Hell, who knows if Philly would have been in the Super Bowl last year had he not get hurt? We don't know. It could be back to back Super Bowl years for the last pick in the draft. I just don't. I don't care enough to think about that. And this is one of my biggest pet peeves within the quote-unquote fantasy space, is we spend a lot of our time filling up our brains and making decisions based on if they are real-life hashtag good or not. I can't be bothered. His situation, not likely to change. And he is what he is, which is a safe with a mid-QB1 tendency with... QB two weeks plugged in and four point passing touchdown leagues. He's a QB one and people are like, Oh, it's cause he played every game. Yeah. I want my quarterback to play every game. He like that. The, the best tool to have in your bag is availability. It's the same thing with running backs, right? When we talk about running backs, Paul, what do we say? Yeah. Anyone who, who 
lasts through the season should be an RB1. Okay, I'm cool with that. Yeah, like, but they're not as valuable as their end-of-year finish is going to indicate because you get to play a different guy if they're out. And so I agree. I, I, I don't also, know. I'm not going to make any predictions about Brock Purdy's future health. If he's going to keep running around out there like Michael Vick, you know. Oh, yeah, but I mean, for the scrambling quarterbacks, we fucking love to see it. It just it, it, I, it, that's what I mean. There's there's the other side both ways. Now, I'll also say that I also believe that the point per game Zlots that will only focus on those types of things. I also think that there's a little bit more that goes into it than just points per game. You have to dive deeper into that. Like everything else, context is needed. Points per game is how people fell for the Jalen Waddle round two trap multiple times. And yeah. hopefully now we've figured that out. This year they're falling for the Jalen Waddle round three trap. So. Uh, I've seen them in four, which I find palatable. Yeah. But here's something for you from the Fantasy Points Data Suite, which is the most advanced fantasy football data catalog available. It's company man plug right there. The most important statistic for a quarterback's production is fantasy points per opportunity. In my opinion, this is includes with opportunity passing attempts and rushing attempts. Josh Allen, we agree is a pretty good football player. He had a .58 fantasy points per opportunity this year. Lamar Jackson, pretty good football player, .54. Dak Prescott, Jacob tells me he's a pretty good football player. Doesn't look like him when he doesn't get to play the commies in week 18. That's Dallas's MVP. .52 fantasy points per opportunity. Jalen Hurts, legend in Philly, .52. Jordan Love, .51. Okay, CJ Stroud, 0.49. Number one in the NFL last year is Brock fucking Purdy at 0.6 fantasy points per opportunity. You can whine and cry about how it gets done, but if you do, you better ask yourself how good Patrick Mahomes might be if they stop letting him run one-yard shovel passes at the one-yard line, etc., etc. The man produces, mm -hmm. and trading out of your guys like... Uh, Tua and Jared Goff and Justin Fields, who, by the way, was a wonderful .45 fantasy points per opportunity for the plus for Brock Purdy, while you could do it, would have left you a lot happier. It just is. All right, Tom. What Let me is. put you on the spot then. Brock yes. Purdy, we're, we're, we're strictly going to be in a fantasy mindset from here on out. I have no more. I always words. am. So I, I have it. no more words for Brock Purdy as a real life quarterback. I have stepped down off of my soapbox, and here I am just asking you, man to be to fair. Man. To be fair, before before you carry on, yeah, Brock Purdy yep. is an okay professional quarterback. I do not think he is a living legend, but okay. I think that he is a lot better than a lot of people's favorite quarterback. I have no response because I just made a promise that I tend to keep. I have no more words on that matter. Yeah, but as why, a fantasy that's why I aspect, took my shot. where does he belong in the quarterback landscape? So let, let's just get the obvious names out of the way. You're not mm -hmm. going to draft him ahead of Allen, Mahomes, Jackson, Hertz, Stroud, Burrow, Herbert. There, Those guys are locked. Top seven. Mm -hmm. um, after that, quarterbacks going off the board, Richardson, Prescott, Love, Kyler Murray, 
Are you taking him over any of those players? Where I would put him will never be where he goes. Which Can is I just to be tell my you where he went? Combo. Yeah, where he went in my last startup mock, a couple mm-hmm. weeks uh, last week was the three five, which I thought was a fine price. I, I not not bad by any stretch. He went um, just ahead of Tua, ahead of Deshaun Watson, ahead of Justin Fields. I, I think that's fine. But when you start getting higher than that, I, I get a little sweaty. I would have a hard time taking Trevor Lawrence over him. I would have a hard time taking Tua over him. And that's probably the tier, is that back end of QB1. That's probably the tier. I think I would still take my shot on Richardson. I want Kyler. I think I want Dak. Yeah. But I can't even tell you that I am fully committed to wanting Dak over him, if I'm being totally honest. I think that they're similar archetype players and there's a six year age gap there. Forgot that Purdy was 24. So sorry if I called him 23. Um, but that's, that's the tiers. The bottom of QB one is where I think he belongs. Okay. We're talking that. age situation and cry about it. All you want clear and obvious fantasy production. Yeah, so here's my take on the uh, the fantasy production. I'm not sure that it is as clear and obvious as it seems on the surface because while the fantasy points data suite is tremendous, there is one stat it doesn't have that PFF does, which is called expected points. Um, yeah, yeah, and, and I don't and, care about expected fantasy points for quarterbacks. Well, well, I do, and this is my podcast. So here's the thing: Brock Purdy ranks number one in the NFL and fantasy points over expectation, which is fine. You, we should expect him to be near the top of that list, given the situation that he's in all of the yards after catchability that his receivers have, but five points per game over expected is outrageous. The next quarterback that we even talk about as like a legit guy, because there's some guys like Jeff Driscoll, Mason Rudolph, who started one or two games. The next guy that started more than a handful of games this year on that list is Josh Allen at 1.7 points over expected. We're talking a gap of three expected fantasy points before you get to the next quarterback on that list. That's a level of efficiency that simply cannot maintain Uh, 4,280 passing yards with an expected of 3,280 passing yards, literally through a thousand more passing yards than he should have. He threw eight more passing touchdowns than he was expected to. Again, I think he's going to be efficient in this offense, but when you look at his usage, 34th in expected points per game, there's only 32 quarterbacks in the league. He was 34th in expected points per game at 14.4. I just cannot project him to put together another season of uh, what did he even end up with? 19.4, if that's going to be the offensive situation. That just seems untenable to me. You said it was five points above? Five points. Do you knock Christian McCaffrey for the same thing? Because Christian McCaffrey was 24.6 points per game over his expected. He was, sorry, he was 4.6 points over his expected. I certainly wouldn't project him. The difference is for for CMC is that there's no other running back that you can, you can't project any other running back to, to leapfrog that. So, he's still going to project as the best running back in fantasy, even if you can't put him at 25 points per Mm -hmm. game or whatever with Purdy, 
I'm putting him up against guys like Trevor Lawrence, like Dak Prescott, who were expected to score a lot more fantasy points than him and who I happen to think are quite a bit more talented than he is. That's where it gets tough for me. Like Dak Prescott, he was actually below his expected fantasy points for the year, and he still outscored Brock Purdy. Um, so, so it's tough. I think that he's going to be in a stable situation. I think he's got years ahead of him where he's going to continue to have success. And I think he is going to be above his expected, but I would project him as more of like a high end QB two on a season to season basis, more like a Jared Goff type. And so if I'm spending a high draft pick, I, I just, I need to believe that that ceiling is there. And I think what we saw this year is the absolute ceiling. I think that's all fine. I think I don't really have anything that like, like a huzzah situation for you in this. It's, it's going to come down to preference and what we, what we look at. And I don't look at the expected fantasy points for quarterbacks. We've had this discussion at fantasy points with Scott, with, with a bunch of the higher ups. It's just not something that we look into. I like Dak and to your point, he outscored him. He outscored him. He played Detroit Week 17, Washington 18, Washington 12, Seattle 13, uh, the ghost of the Chargers defense in Week 6. Like, I think that no matter what, you have to look at situations and weekly, which is why points per game Mm -hmm. is, is a need to look into statistic. I think on a year to year basis, but with opportunity, like you want him to be good with the opportunities that he's given. And if you're telling me that there is a possibility that I'm going to be able to trade one quarterback's production for a quarterback whose per opportunities production is similar and get something added on top of it. Right. I have no choice but to do that. Now, we're also in the his expected, and this is his absolute ceiling, are not leaving room for him to improve. Now, can Brock Purdy improve as a player? Yes. Yes, but it doesn't matter based on what he did. Like, this past season, all of his boneheaded mistakes were just dropped interceptions from the other team, so they're not going to lead to more fantasy points. He, he, already, he already got all the... He squeezed all the juice out of the orange. The only way he gets better at this point is if the 49ers decide to throw the ball more, which they have no interest in doing. They they would have to go more pass heavy because he can't he simply cannot do more on 30 pass attempts per game than he did this past year. That's just that's just what it is. By the way, if you want to name games on the schedule, Niners played the, the Seahawks twice. They I'm also fully played, aware. The, played the Commanders too. And get this, they played the Arizona Cardinals twice. Yeah, the Arizona Cardinals were uh, <laughs> all Christian McCaffrey all day. I'm fully aware. I just trust me. I know. No, I, I I it was coming. I already had it pulled up here. Yeah. But in terms of, we love Josh Allen, right? Like Josh Allen, every like he's an elite quarterback in the NFL. I love it. Absolutely. Yeah, forty three hundred yards with eighteen interceptions is really fucking bad at quarterback. Uh, we're talking 4,300 yards and 14 interceptions, 4,415 interceptions. We know that he gets by on his rushing touchdowns. Is Josh Allen a bad quarterback in the NFL? No. <laughs> like, this is what I'm talking about. And 
that's what I'm talking about. Your box it, score like, surfing. Come on. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm truly not. But we're we're looking at perspectives and how a player is viewed in this. Yeah. Josh Allen, great fantasy quarterback because he runs. That to just quote, is what it is. To quote it's the his, great sunglasses profile pictures on Twitter, just watch the games, bro. Just, just watch, watch the, the games. games. User Brad <laughs> underscore one one four seven five two six three would say hashtag just watch the game. I hate to say that the sunglasses are right in this case. Just gotta watch the games. <laughs> this is my I have no, two I have two um exceptions. I do not know ball, but I have two exceptions. My my I know ball exceptions are that Trevor Lawrence is good and that Brock Purdy is mediocre. Those are my two exceptions. And I just can't I can't get there. So it both of them score fantasy and, and and when I say both of them, I'm talking about Brock Purdy and Josh Allen. Okay. If you okay. were to remove that it's Brock Purdy and yeah. just looked at his fantasy points, we yeah. would be doing backflips. Correct. But there's that little voice that's telling you, but it's Brock Purdy. And that, as I tweeted, I don't know how important it is, is going to hold back dynasty teams. And I don't think that having a strong player bias is going to end up helping you more often than not. Now, it might sound like I have strong Brock Purdy bias. No. I do not. You don't. I, I know you don't. I love Brock Purdy round four, just like I like Tua round four or five, or where I hate that Jared Goff is moving up into the third. I think that is asinine. But with Mr. Johnson returning, it um, you know, might work out for them for the year. But I think that he is within that tier of quarterback. Yeah. And I feel like that is important to note as much as we're just like having a good time and and just poking fun at a bunch of shit. I think yeah, it's I, important to to reel it back in. Brock Purdy is in that same tier of quarterback. He I think that he and Tua are basically the same guy. Uh, they they basically are in the same type of situation, but Purdy's in a better situation and he's had more success. So I have Tua, no problem taking him ahead. I mean, give Brock Purdy, Tyree Kill, and Jalen Waddle to use yak yardage, and I mean, I think we might see five thousand yards. Okay, he's got he's got Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. Are and either of them Tyree Kill? Not studies show that neither of them are Tyree Kill. <laughs> the data will show that we neither had, of them are. Tyree we have had Kill. the entire fantasy points team on this for weeks, and they can't confirm that least. neither they of won't them let, are Tyree Kill. They won't let me sleep because I had to dive into the tape. Yeah. And uh, I can confirm that none of them are Tyreek Hill. And, but, like, can we just talk about a situation boosting a quarterback? Tua was ass. Ass. And then he gets Tyreek Hill. Yeah. And he's still kind of ass. And then this year, he was still ass, and Tyreek Hill was amazing. Yeah, the, the Tua people, they're a whole other cult of of people. Yeah. But Tua non is in shambles. But can I, can I agree with you? Down. Can I agree with your point on a macro level and still disagree with it on the micro level? Because I think where we don't see eye to eye with Purdy is I, I just see all this regression coming and it makes me wary about his dynasty value. But I agree with the general point of there are definitely people that are over-factoring talent. They're over-factoring situation. Mm -hmm. um, 
And they're doing the opposite too. They're under factoring situation into, into their analysis. And it's leading to players getting inflated and players being discounted that I agree with. And it was happening last year with Purdy. I think he was definitely going too late and I should have jumped on him more often because he was set up in this situation and he was clearly going to be the starter. And he was just going so late because people were like, he's not going to be good. And we should have just seen the writing on the wall there. But now, you know, I'm going to have to play it on a case by case basis. If he's going to go ahead of Kyler Murray, if he's going to go ahead of Trevor Lawrence and some of these drafts, I don't think I can do it. He shouldn't, Uh, he should. And he shouldn't go ahead of guys at other positions that have like legitimate league breaking ceilings. Like he should not go ahead of Brees Hall or Jameer Gibbs. He shouldn't go ahead of Garrett Wilson or Amon Ross St. Brown or any of those types of guys. So we'll see, you know, where it settles in. Ultimately, we're shadow boxing with this because we don't actually know what his his price is going to be exactly. Um, but I think we've kind of pinpointed the tier that he's in. When I'll I look say, at oh, Yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. No, you go first because I was gonna change the subject. So finish this. <laughs> so on Dynasty Points, Jacob and I talked about where I think Brock Purdy belongs to go. Yeah. But where I think he will go. And this was weeks ago. I said that Brock Purdy statistically and by his age and everything else, he should be at the 2-1. That is where Deshaun Watson was going last year. That is where you see Dak going. And if you're getting 24-year-old, 60 fantasy points per opportunity, Brock Purdy, for a guy who does not run the football, that's why that is impressive to me, uh, he should go at the 2-1. You'll never have to worry about that because he will never go at the 2-1. However... I think that you will see Brock Purdy hit the 2-8, and I think that that will be too high for the reason that you just mentioned. I think that with rookies coming in and guys like Garrett Wilson and the running backs, I think that, and like I said, Marvin Harrison coming in, it's going to bump him up. But I don't think I'm going to have an issue with mid-round three Brock Purdy. Yeah, and I don't think I'm going to have an issue either. If you want to take your swing there, I think it's a low-ceiling way to play it. But if you just want to lock up your quarterback where you're like, I'm going to have a young quarterback who has a job, who's going to be stable, mm-hmm. and I'm going to take him in the third round because you don't want to mess around with Kirk Cousins coming off an Achilles or Will Levis walking into an unknown situation. I, I can't fault you if you want to build your team that way. It's not how I typically build, and there's going to be players in that range at other positions that I'll probably lean into. But I really can't object strongly right. to that price. It's it's just important to remember that just because someone values, whether it's myself or someone else, a player at a certain price, it does not necessarily mean that that is exactly what you're going to have to end up paying anyway, which is why dynasty trades are able to happen. Yeah. Because there's disparity. I like him at X and X price. I think he belongs in that bottom end tier of a QB1 for the dynasty format. You'll never have to pay that price for him. And whoever has him that wants to charge you that price for him, that's out of my price range. Um, yeah, that's why every time you get down to it, like if you really get down to brass tax, there's no such thing as a buy or sell on yes. its face. It's a yep. it's a buy or sell at X price. Yes. You know, the, like I, I love to buy frozen pizza because it costs four dollars. If frozen pizza cost $50, I would not like to buy frozen pizza. It's just how it is. It, it, there has to be a, a, an actual 
monetary value attached to it, which sometimes it doesn't fit within the character limits of a tweet. And so be it if you want to say Rashi Rice is a buy. But when you actually want to take that advice and you want to put it into practice in your league, mm-hmm. there is a follow-up question, which is, okay, he's a buy for what? Yes. Yep. And again, I know we, we took the piss there for quite a while with the box score and the um, bad faith discussions uh, back and forth. But really, when you get down to it, um, I think we hit it right exactly where where the nail meets hammer. Oh, absolutely. And I love that's it. what's important. It's a great segment. I think people are going to love it. Probably not. Um, My mentions are going to probably blow up. Blow up his mentions, guys. El Nostratamus and tag me in it too so I can watch. Uh, let's move on here. Beyond Brock Purdy, beyond championship weekend, beyond this question of situation versus talent, let's talk about a couple of other young quarterbacks. Just kind of mm-hmm. get your thoughts on each of these guys. We sort of touched on Trevor Lawrence a little bit as it relates to Brock Purdy. You hate Trevor Lawrence. You hate his stupid haircut and how tall he is. I do and... hate how tall he is. <laughs> yeah, why? so why do you hate Trevor Lawrence? I don't hate Trevor Lawrence. I just hate the idea that no matter what he does or more so what he doesn't do, he is given impunity. Right. Um, He should be judged for being slow off of his first read. He should be judged for horrendously inaccurate passes when he has time. He should be judged for being touted as a top five QB finish in back-to-back years that he never comes close to. I think that he should be judged for going four to five weeks in between quote-unquote elite starts, and I know when they happen because you tweet about it each time, and then I count how many weeks until I see that same tweet again. And it's usually three to four weeks in between, which an occasional back-to-back situation. If he had a third-round draft picks draft capital, I think people would want him ousted from the league at this point. He would be heading towards an okay-type career. But he's not, and he was quarterback Jesus uh, from the time he was a small, small boy, and his hair only reached his shoulders. (laughs) And I don't think we look at him the same way as we would other quarterbacks who have just kind of been, like, okay. He was, obviously, we give him a break on his rookie year. Because, I mean, the situation he was in was god-awful. Yeah. And then his sophomore year, he was much better with what he could do. And we loved the rushing touchdowns. That's what we wanted. That's what we wanted to see. He had that kind of mobility at Clemson. And then, okay, it was also tough to adjust to a new system. That system is very difficult to learn. It is very much like Bruce Arians, where it is a struggle to learn for quarterbacks. In their first year, they usually figure it out in the second year. And then this year we get to go with, well, he was hurt a lot. And, you know, there are other factors at play. Agreed. Totally agree. Yeah. But the same way I looked at Baker Mayfield is slowly becoming the way I look at Trevor Lawrence. And he has his faults. I don't don't see how I could in good faith tell you that I don't see faults in Trevor Lawrence's game. I'm also not going to sit here and lie to you and tell you that before he came out that I thought he was bad at this and I knew this all along and I didn't. 
is the 101 consensus no matter what. I just want that at some point we must speak honestly about when a quarterback underproduces for multiple years. And yeah, my question my for... question is Go ahead. How long does he get? If next year he comes out and he finishes as a low end QB1 in whatever metric you want. Yeah. Does it are we finally like okay? Like I'm happy to see that he's dropped to the second round. Where he belongs in startups is about the 2-5. That's about where he's going from everywhere that I have seen. I think that that is a perfect price for him because he is a young quarterback who struggled and has upside. That's what Trevor Lawrence is. Yeah, so, I think that's I think that he definitely I mean, you can't deny that he's underperformed. That's that's not debatable. They obviously haven't had the level of team success they would have hoped to have. He hasn't really acquired the personal accolades or the fantasy accolades that we would have hoped at this point. It's just that, that there are a lot of factors that have led into it. Um, I will say that we don't need to talk about him as being some generational quarterback. We don't need to talk about mm -hmm. him being like, it, it's not a conversation now of what, Oh, well, when is he going to be a top five real life quarterback? It's more of like, okay, can he cement himself as a top 10 quarterback? I think he can. I think he's good enough to do that. Yeah, there's definitely things he has to work on, uh, but I do I do see those flashes of ability. Again, he's one of my exceptions of like, I know ball when I watch him play. It, it just seems like he's good. He has these flashes of brilliance. Maybe he never puts it together. But the way I see the, the fantasy football sometimes is guys just get a really poor draw because at the end of the day, it's, it is a, such a small sample game. Some people are going to have a really bad run out. You know, some people are going to start their career with the worst coach in the NFL. They're going to have an okay second season, and then they're going to suffer five different injuries in their third season. And they're not going to look as good as they might. What I can say for Lawrence, he was QB 12 in expected points per game. So he was behind Joe Flacco. If you want to, we could take him out of there with just the limited five game sample, make him QB 11. So he's not like a tremendous bust. He's still going to give you that QB1 production, assuming he can stay healthy. He does run a bit. It just hasn't come together quite to the level I'd hope. If he does this again next year, you know, QB1, whatever, and there's no legitimate excuse for it, I think you just have to shift the expectations down and say, okay, you know, he's more on like a, maybe he can be Matt Stafford or he's Kirk Cousins or he's Jared Goff or whatever. But I do still think he deserves a little bit of leeway in year four to potentially push himself back up into that uh burrow herbert tier of fantasy production because he's a little bit mobile because he's young and because he has the big arm i, I want to give him one more year so i think it makes sense for him to be like a mid to late second round startup pick just knowing that he still is safe he's still going to be a starting quarterback for probably a long time and there is still that glimmer of hope that he can become something more i i um, i mean hey it's it's your show. Uh, you're the guy. I don't I don't agree with most of that, but I I again I think that this is a preconceived notion of who he is and who we wanted him to notion, be. Preconceived notion, but but see I I and that's where I thought you were gonna go. But the fact that he was the one on one and the fact that he did what he did at Clemson matters. Like it does matter. Yes, sometimes we cling too tightly to our priors, but priors 
they are important. They're not just born out of thin air. Like we, we have reason to believe that he can meet a certain level of performance. And there are enough mitigating factors that you can explain away his poor performance to some extent. So yeah, maybe that all ends up being wrong and he ends up being bad. Mm -hmm. But I don't necessarily think that makes the process behind it wrong. So I totally see the gamer who wants to just to kind of take your approach and say, look, I've waited long enough. I've seen what I need to see. I just don't value him like that anymore. And if he if he hits later, so be it. I wash my hands of this. I understand. But I don't think the other side of it is wrong either, which is we had strong feelings about this player. He's shown flashes. There is enough murkiness there where maybe it's explained away with injuries or what have you. I want to give I want one more shot to just went to get it all, you know, to 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 win the glory. I there's nothing wrong with that. Um I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. And I like it's, his price now. I love his price now. I absolutely yeah. love his price now at two at two five, two six, two seven, two two four, maybe, well, maybe not. Well, what are we fighting about? We agree. I'll I'll tell you. I'll tell you what I'm fighting about. Is that the idea that we can't look at him and go, he's flawed. Or he's not the prince that was promised. Maybe CJ Stroud is the prince that was promised. You know what I mean? Like, well, uh, I think he is flawed. I agree with you. But, but, but I think that when you talk about, we talked earlier about living online and seeing just like outrageous takes. I have to pod with a guy who has outrageous takes weekly about Trevor Lawrence's impunity. And <laughs> he is a player as much as we have liked him or loved him, whatever the situation was, it was Calvin Ridley's going to fix him. It's, get the weapons around him. Now it's the coach. These are the tools this year and last year as well. You could have been just as happy with a Matthew Stafford. You could have been just as happy with a Brock Purdy. You could have been just as happy with a insert other pylon quarterback with his, like his, you know, I won't say abilities because he is a very talented football player. But any one of those archetype of quarterbacks for your fantasy teams, and you would have been just as happy. And I just want it to, I just want there to be a more realistic conversation of how we view him and other players like it by removing a strong player bias, which is Trevor Lawrence is and Brock Purdy are the two poster children for this path that I'm walking and seemingly walking alone through most of it, but that's okay. We're going to make our own way. Um, yeah, but I hope he blows up. I, I hope he goes saying. absolutely nuclear this year because now I'm in at the price. 108 Trevor Lawrence last year, bad times. 110 bad times. Now, obviously that was a bad price for sure, but I will say, with regards to the, you know, the excuses and the impunity in addition to the injuries. Okay. I've got an Ian Harditz tweet here. Best and worst supporting cast this season in terms of average PFF rush receiving pass blocking and run blocking grades. So everything except for what the quarterback is graded on everything except passing grade. What do these quarterbacks have around them? Guess which team's number one in that hmm. best supporting cast PFF grade. 49ers, right? Obviously. Obviously. Yeah. yeah. Lions, Ravens, Dolphins, Eagles, the usual suspects there at the top. 
we go to the bottom five, Panthers, Jets, Giants, makes sense. And then two teams that really stick out to me because we have these two quarterbacks that Twitter loves to pile on. We got the Chargers, ranked 30th supporting cast. And then we have the Jaguars right there after them. And that's the thing. Yes, in in before the season, we say, yeah, okay, Ingram, Kirk, Ridley, ETN. They've got a better line. You know, this is all coming together. It's going to be great. But I think that we're holding on to that preseason take a little too closely and not actually looking at how these dudes, these dudes performed during the year. It, it wasn't all the help that he could get. It, it wasn't this great offense that he couldn't elevate. I think everything struggled from his health to all the pass catchers. Um, and, and ultimately, I don't think that he was put in a, a great position to succeed. So again, I, I'm, I'm willing to stick it out see what happens again next year. It's possible he never becomes that 20, 21 point per game guy that we were hoping he could be. And that's okay. I'm okay with it. I agree. And it's the same thing, the the personnel and did he, is he good enough to elevate a bad cast? And does that make him a good real life quarterback or not real life quarterback is all stuff that I just don't necessarily entertain because i think again it does limit us and you're a hundred percent right that preseason takes get held on to for far too long and we should adapt to that which is why i do feel the way that i feel about lawrence is because my opinions have also changed throughout the year and it progresses yep. there is room to go up there's not a lot of room for him to go down, like you said. Like, I'm, you know, let's be honest. He's a first pick Caucasian quarterback. He will have a job in the NFL for many years. So even if it fails here, he'll have more opportunities. That's just how it is. Don't get mad at me. Just how it is. Um, Sam Bradford was traded for a first round pick like five years after he got drafted. Baker was never good. still playing football. Like it's just how it happens. Oh, well, Baker's cooking, man. Well, I guess he's baking, but it's not going to be anymore. He's he's looking great. Um, yeah, I let's also, talk about I just, something just quick. Yep. Bell, Baker, Mayfield, Canales is gone. Evans is walking out the door. Get rid of him. Oh, they're not letting Evans out of the building. No yeah, shot. They, they just no, they just overperformed so dramatically the all the evans leaving stuff was back when they thought they were going to be a three-win team and they had no shot at success now baker mayfield's back he's got chemistry with evans the vibes are good they're going to run it back next year i think he's going to be back for someone's sure. going to throw a boatload of money at mike evans and he's going to walk out the door yeah the buccaneers they have boats I mean, they you know could. that their boats are full him. of money they stole all of the gold so that they could pay mike evans and they're going to I think it's possible, but also everything, every quarterback that Canales touches yeah. elevates their game. He's gone. I believe their wide receiver coach, he's gone. Yeah, um, that, that could be a concern. Uh, we'll come back to, we'll definitely come back to Canales and talk about him in a new spot here in a minute. I do want to touch on something, another young quarterback, where we actually are going to agree on something, I think. Uh, we've actually been agreeing a lot throughout the show, but it's like this contrived argument yeah, we, that we're having with each we, other we're like when, dancing around it when we're not um taking the piss yeah we, we we are settling at the same spot i i love it it's fun but but justin fields all right you, you specifically said you wanted to talk about delusional bears fans so i'm trying to get yeah. some more people in your mentions here any bears fans in the audience but 
uh, I, I do have to get your updated opinion because some events have transpired since then. Are you aware that the Bears posted a highlight reel of Justin Fields on their official Twitter account? Uh, does this finally put to rest the ridiculous rumors that the Bears are going to draft a quarterback? I will tell you that <laughs> the work of probably an underpaid intern juiced up on more caffeine than anyone else in the building will not sway my opinion on him as a football player. Have you seen these takes that they wouldn't oh, yeah. post that if they were going to draft a quarterback? It's like the oh. dumbest thing that I've ever heard in my life. I have seen takes that he's in his Joe Montana era. I have <laughs> seen side-by-side uh, -side comps of Fields to Montana. He's Lamar Jackson without the cast. Yeah, let's talk about Lamar Jackson's cast of players. Uh, I have seen, oh, if only he had Greg Roman. When you tell yourself that, oh, man, Give Justin Fields Greg Roman, <laughs> and he would light it up like Lamar. We'll tell you all you need to know about their opinions of him as a passer. No, I don't think an intern juiced up on caffeine is going to be it for me. I have seen some of the most ridiculous takes about Justin Fields, and I have no idea what they're going to do. I have no idea what they're going to do. They could draft Marvin Harrison Jr. at Can I tell you? Can I tell you what they're going to do? Tom, out. let's hear it. They're going to draft Caleb Williams. There, there is literally no doubt in my mind. The Bears are going to draft Caleb Williams. Full stop. There is no, there is no if ands or buts about it. They're going to take him. Sorry, Fields Truthers. I'm sorry, everybody that wants to trade Caleb Williams for a haul so that you can keep the quarterback that nobody wants to trade for. It's just that's not how it's going to go down. Um, Caleb Williams is going to be the quarterback of the Bears. Justin Fields is going to get traded somewhere else. I don't know where. Maybe the Falcons. Maybe the Steelers. Maybe the Raiders. I don't know. But uh, where where would you like to see Justin Fields suiting up in 2024? Chicago. Yeah. You want him that's, backing that's up Caleb Williams? I, that's where I want to see him be. Because right. I want Chicago to do the thing that I think will be best for their franchise in the long run which is accept a haul that is a Trey Lance-esque move and keep Justin Fields and then not give him a Daniel Jones-like contract. I thought we were going to agree on something. How are they going to keep Justin Fields? Somebody's going to give him that money. Yes, yeah, somebody will. I just don't want it to be Chicago. So who's going to be their quarterback? This year would be Justin Fields. Okay. And then they do the smart thing. They do the smart thing and not give him Daniel Jones money. And then who's their quarterback after that? Whoever they draft with the How's next that? top two They're picks. not going to have a top two pick. You think Justin Fields is going to bring them to the promised land? He's going to bring them far enough away from the promised land that they're not going to be able to get Why? to it. He just did that this year. No, he didn't. They got the Panthers pick. The Bears pick is like 10th. Oh, right. Sorry. Yeah. And he missed three games. But... Look, you can, and they're gonna get this haul that you're talking about. So yes. they're gonna get another. All, they're gonna get some I'm other not, all pro I'm receiver not, brought in, I and they're gonna get saying some... that they will. No, I know you're saying they should, which is even worse. I would hope that some team that is yeah. drafting that is terrible, uh, yeah. would make that move up. Mm -hmm. I think that would be the best for them. I think having three 
to four first-round draft picks over the next two years will be the best way to fix the copious amount of problems that the Chicago Bears have. Yeah. That is my, what, like, in a GM's room, that is a GM's dream, is that someone will come and make the decision for them. That's not what I think yeah. will happen. That's not at all what I think will happen. Well, we can uh, we can agree to disagree on the correct play for the Bears, but what's going to happen is they're going to draft Caleb Williams. So <laughs> if we th- if we think about what that means, it means Justin Fields is either a backup or he's on the move. I tend to assume that he's he'll get traded. I think there's teams that would want to give him a shot. Backup. Well, it would um, be a Tebow situation, right? Because they, they both can't throw. No. <laughs> I love that because I didn't have to say it. No, it would just be that no matter what Caleb did, the Bears horde right. would want Fields no, in the game. No, that seems like a bad idea. But hopefully yes. he gets he gets moved. Um, I don't really love him for the Falcons. I've talked about this on Twitter, and people thought I was stupid. He's not going to be a high-volume passer. He's not the guy I want throwing to my preferred fantasy weapons. But it does seem like a realistic fit. Um, there's some other teams without quarterbacks, but the thing I'm interested in is Caleb Williams on the bears, specifically DJ Moore, Cause I believe that you've been a DJ Moore enjoyer in your day. Um, much. I was a DJ Moore enjoyer until the only year it was enjoyable to roster him, which was this year. I didn't have any of him, but I'm kind of, I'm starting to salivate a little bit thinking about DJ Moore finally having a real quarterback. And it just seems like it could be fireworks, like top five season fireworks. I don't know what to think about what DJ Moore would do with Caleb Williams. I don't know if it would be as good as what he could do with Justin Fields, though, because Justin Fields, not a good quarterback. Justin Fields can look at one guy and throw that guy the ball as many times as he can. He hyper-focuses one guy. Good quarterbacks don't always do that. So I think that when you're talking about a guy that Justin Fields, the only guy he will throw to, which is also why I think the people that want them to draft Marvin Harrison Jr. so DJ Moore could go to the moon, I think are on drugs. I never heard that take. That's Justin Fields. Oh yeah. Oh, that offense would go to the moon. No, oh, the offense. Yeah, not DJ Moore. He's not going like, to the moon. It, it, it would limit them. It would limit yeah. them big time. But I don't think he can produce for that. I think Caleb Williams is good enough that he can actually produce other like weapons within the yeah. offense. He's also a rookie quarterback with a what would right. be terrible cast of players. Did you so see Nico Collins with a rookie quarterback this year? Yeah, with Slowick and a good offensive system. And yeah, I mean, we'll see about the system. But, I mean, I, and... I'm pretty excited about the talent of Caleb Williams, and I personally prefer when my weapons have good quarterbacks attached to I them. I agree. Yeah. I get it. I get it. But we're talking about a guy who is so egregiously hyper-targeted. When yeah, but Justin he's open. Fields is locking but he's open. He's he's always been a guy that's been open. He's always had high target shares, no matter what. Uh, here's my case, right? Okay, maybe you think that this comes down, but I mean, if they do take Caleb Williams, they're going to have less ammunition to add other pieces to the offense. And and frankly, I'm not that worried about other pieces because I just think DJ Moore is that good. But 
30% target share this year, 40% mm -hmm. of the air yards. It, it's just a volume issue really with the, with the all overall offense. I think Caleb fixes that. I think he throws a more accurate pass. I, here's my hot take. Okay. My hot take is that AJ Brown and DJ Moore are Spider-Man meme. That's my take. Okay. They both had 30% target shares this year. They both had 40% air yard shares. They're two months apart in age. The difference between AJ Brown and DJ Moore this season is that Chicago threw three fewer pass attempts per game than the Eagles. Uh, there's, there's basically nothing else to me indicating that AJ Brown should be going three rounds ahead of DJ Moore in dynasty startups. I agree with that. I think Brown is, and obviously this is somewhat unrelated to my main point. I think he's dramatically overvalued right now. And I think DJ Moore is undervalued. They need to kind of meet in the middle. Mm -hmm. But I, but I really do think that the upside for more with a more traditional passing quarterback with the level of talent we think Kayla Williams has, I think I need to go out and, and maybe try to make some trades and get to get some more on my team. I agree. I, I 100% agree with a lot of that. I like to remind a lot of people that DJ Moore at points like set records with his what he produced on hitch routes and everything with with Justin Fields and yeah. I definitely agree that that won't be the same. I think you're right. I also think that we have grown to be too greedy in what we expect rookie quarterbacks to do. I think it would be That's unfair fair. to look at what CJ Stroud did this year and go Caleb's going to do that. Cuz there's a reason why it hadn't been done before. And then you look at like Baker, like, oh, Caleb's going to do that. Maybe not. He's also on a heavy run offense. Do they protect him with it? I have no fucking idea what they're going to do. Eberflus is a moron and never should have been allowed back in the building. They should have immediately uh, disconnected his card to get him yeah. back into the building. Letting him in is a terrible decision. And I agree. Caleb Williams, phenomenal talent. I do think you're right with the A.J. Brown situation. I think A.J. Brown is viewed as a guy that is a lot better than he is. He's never hit 18 points per game. Uh, that's, like, astounding to me with how he is as a player. But that's yeah. also, in my opinion, partially due to the tush-push conundrum and how they just don't give anyone else a touchdown. But I think you're right. I think they shouldn't be three rounds apart. I think that's egregious. Yeah, I'm basically at the point where y you give me any kind of an interesting plus on top uh, of DJ Moore, and I'll I'll make that trade. Like I yep. I don't I don't need a whole lot. Give me a second round pick. I'm I'm cool to make that swap because I just I I don't see the Philly situation changing in any kind of a positive way. I don't think it's a bad situation necessarily, but it's not going to get better to the point that they're going to throw a lot more or Brown's going to be able to produce a lot more than he's already produced. Whereas I see the the Chicago situation clearly has room to improve whether or not it's it's not a guarantee but it certainly has room there and in the meantime they're putting up similar peripherals uh dj Moore definitely overproduced his usage this year in terms of expected points per game but again Good that has Washington that has to do game. with the yeah that was the main thing it has to do with the lack of pass attempts in the offense so i don't need him to overperform to the same degree i just need him to be able to get volume in more of a traditional passing offense and I and the targets just need to be of a higher quality. So I agree with the targets need to be of a higher quality, but he still saw 136 targets on this offense that doesn't throw a lot. 
Like he was still hitting 9, 10, 8, 9, 9, 9, 13, 10, 8, 13 targets. When they did throw the ball, he was the offense, which is what I do like. So even if if the Chicago Bears, which I highly doubt that their passing volume will go up that significantly. I mean, we didn't think it would. People it thought is, it would last yeah. year, and it didn't. In the rookie season, it's it's possible that it doesn't change much at all. Right. And with that, does he get hyper-targeted less because Caleb's a better quarterback? I don't know. I don't know what the weapons are going to look like. I have no idea. You want the egregiously large piece of the pie in a low-passing volume offense, yeah. and you want a guy that is just looking to him no matter what. So for me, yeah. that's Justin Fields until I see otherwise, which is why I mentioned I don't know if the ceiling will be above that year one yeah. Caleb Williams. I don't know. I think the best thing for Moore is exactly what we got, which is a better version of what Sam Darnold was for him, just a hyper-targeting, I'm only going to look at one spot type player. It's, yeah, it might not improve. It, it might not actually come to fruition in this rookie season mm-hmm. but but the comp here's the comp okay and the comp 26. is it's not like we're talking about a 29 year old wide receiver that if it doesn't happen in the rookie year is dead right well the so the comp for me is stefan diggs so you say 136 targets yeah that's good and that was sort of what we were seeing with diggs where yeah he was he was getting a good amount of volume and he was clearly a talented player but he was playing with Thielen. He was in kind of a different type of offense, a more limited offense under um, what's his name, Mike Zimmer. And then he goes to Buffalo. He's got the star quarterback. He's got the offense to himself. He's the one. That's what I could. I think that that's possible. I think it's very possible. We look up Caleb Williams goes in a year two. DJ Moore. He's 27, 27 and a half. And he has this 170 target season top five fantasy production like that seems incredibly that seems totally plausible to me i think it's possible not probable that it unfolds that way because we're hoping for quite a few things to happen there where we're hoping that caleb williams is allowed to be josh allen have 500 and some passing attempts and get away with throwing 18 interceptions josh allen get your interceptions down you're a fucking bum and we're and we're also hoping that caleb williams plays in this hyper awesome wicked design for fantasy offense and that DJ Moore also doesn't get any competition outside of a Gabe Davis-esque player for X number of years. Like there's just a lot there that I think we need to get right. I think that where he is now and in this situation is kind of where he can thrive so that's, I think, where I'm going to end up disagreeing with you on. All right. Just crush that, my dreams. That it's level. fine. Hey, I'm not crushing your dreams. You didn't let me finish. T- Tom, Michael Pittman had 156 targets this season. Yeah, Gardner. You're telling me, you're telling me that DJ Moore can't have 156, 160 targets. Are you, Do you want really? 160 underneath? Like his. Michael Pittman. Yeah, DJ, if Moore's DJ Moore gets six used yards like after catch Pittman, receiver. No thanks. He's a way better yards after catch receiver than Michael Pittman. But I I totally understand what you're telling <laughs> me. I totally do. And I get why you used Stefan Diggs. But I think what you saw from DJ Moore this year is his most likely range of outcomes next year. That's fair. After that. No idea, because we're going to need a lot of things to go a lot of different ways with how the offense is, 
how it's going to run their new OC coming over from Seattle. How's that offense going to look? People really hated how run heavy it was on that offense and how they just couldn't script DK Metcalf to do more. There's a lot of issues with that offense in Seattle, but it's definitely an upgrade coming into Chicago. What I will say about DJ Moore, I love your point about AJ Brown. I love your point with how he's viewed with AJ Brown. And I want DJ Moore more than I want Devonta Smith and more than I want Tank Dell and more than I want Jalen Waddle and Brandon Ayuk, Drake London. I don't want him more than Puka. I want Puka. I want him more than Chris Olave. I would argue that he and Garrett Wilson fairly similar, but you've lost me. (laughs) Well, especially when you factor in price. Wait, now you not want. Oh, okay, okay, okay. At okay, we're talking about at his cost. Gotcha. Yes. Not straight. Well, no. Look, if any fantasy show at any time ever tells you that they're talking about a player straight up for another one, they're lying. Because they will. I just thought you meant in a vacuum. I just thought you meant like if I had to have one or the other, I'd rather have. I get what you're saying. Absolutely, I I I understand. Chris Olave is really teetering very hard on that nesting doll scenario. Very, he's it's like it's he's he's not there he's right there because he's another guy we can talk about where his situation's not changing and he's gonna have Derek Carr and like that that whole situation's not changing for him and so he's really teetering on that like is he ever gonna maybe be better like we don't we don't know but he's he's close so we were talking about he's close what we want from Chris Olave is what we have in DJ Moore last year. So that's why I'm right. kind of thinking like you, right, from we're talking about, again, a three to four round price difference. I mean, all day, all day. So I think I think you nailed that on the head. As for his, like, Stefan Diggs, wide receiver one overall-esque stuff, I think anytime we get into that, you need a lot to happen. Uh, I Like you said, it's possible. I don't think it's probable, but possible. And he's 26, so you should, like you said, take some shots. Yeah, uh, we did talk about Chris Olave quite a bit on last week's show yes. with David, who does his wide receiver buckets. And we should, I do have to point out Chris Olave, higher expected points per game than DJ Moore, still a few mm-hmm. years younger. So that's why he's valued ahead, and I think that's fair. But production next year could be very similar. Definitely no doubt on that front. I just like my expected fantasy points per game to actually turn into fantasy points per game. <laughs> yeah, David has sooner. that Bernie Sanders meme. I am once again yeah. asking Deontay Johnson to turn expected fantasy points. Yeah, into exactly. Actual, yeah. So that's and we're talking about a year three wide receiver. So that's kind of how yeah. I felt about like the T. Higgins Devonta Smith situation. Yeah, where we're getting like that's why I said he's right, Teeter. Like he's probably the biggest egg right now, right? Of the yeah. nesting dolls, he's it's like just the biggest because- one. It's not sticky, you know, like he had over a thousand or so unrealized air yards this year. It's like maybe he catches yeah. some of those and it looks different. It's it's really at the end of the day, it comes down to a couple of plays going yep. one way or the other. And and that's yep. what we argue about all offseason. It's it's a little bit crazy when you think about it. So I try not to think about it. But um, but that's really oh, what sure. it comes down to. That's not what you think about. But we want to think about <laughs> Brock Purdy's a real life quarterback. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I won't do that again. I won't do that again. I promise. Having fun here, but we're going yes. to uh, we're going to move ahead for the sake of the listeners and for the sake of you. You put a lot of time aside for me here. We're going to talk about a couple of coaching changes mm-hmm. in the NFL, at least the important ones. There's some guys I don't really have an opinion on. Some teams that aren't 
particularly interesting to me, but there are some spots where we have big changes coming. I think it's going to have real ramifications for fantasy football. And the number one spot for me is the Atlanta Falcons because Arthur Smith was, I mean, the most hated man in the fantasy football space for the past few months. He has his stupid face and his stupid mustache and he's gone. He's in Pittsburgh now. And meanwhile, he's been replaced. Raheem Morris, the head coach, he's a defensive head coach. So we really look more to the offensive coordinator to see how things are going to be run. He brings in Zach Robinson, Rams passing game coordinator. Okay. Check. That's a good thing. 37 years old. Okay. Not a boomer. Love that former PFF employee. All right. This guy sounds like, uh, I mean, he sounds like the the Messiah. He sounds like the opposite of Arthur Smith. I'm excited to to have him coming in from McVay, who notoriously uses a bell cow, who notoriously schemes great usage for his wide receivers, who's kept Tyler Higby fantasy relevant for years. The idea of us bringing in a coach to Atlanta from that coaching tree is exciting to me. How do you mm-hmm. feel about the Zach Robinson hire? Well, we talked about it a little bit off and you told me that I had a hot take and I didn't think that I had too spicy of a take, but I am blessed with the ability to talk to some people who are very smart football people like Brett Whitefield and some of the other, you know, real pro football guys, especially on our charting team and things like that about how some of these things Mm -hmm. kind of work. Sean McVay has not had an offensive coordinator in a long time. I think it was actually when um, the guy that left for Seattle was the offensive coordinator. I can't totally remember that offhand. But he does that so that he can block somebody else getting an offensive coordinator job by promoting him Right to that. And he didn't here. And one thing we, we love is we want a young innovative coach who can install just brilliant game plans. He has never had to. That was not his job. He has never called plays. And one of the things that scares me the most about, we talked about the coaches that need to have a specialty, right? To really make it in this. What if he's bad? I, and I know that it really sounds like I'm just like the doom bringer of fantasy football on your show today, <laughs> but I love the pieces that are there. Obviously we all do. I just think we should temper expectations a little bit because we're not talking about an experienced guy. And we just saw Slowick do it this year. where a guy that came out of nowhere and he's managed to be the perfect play caller and we love him. Johnson was the same way in Detroit. No one knew what he could do. Again, I think that there should be some caution that a rookie play caller and everything else going over to Atlanta is going to solve all of our fantasy problems. Sure. Um, But I am excited because it's not Arthur Smith and that offense yeah. And now I can't wait for Arthur Smith to go to Pittsburgh and make Pittsburgh a top 10 offense to spite all of us. And all of a sudden, Pat Fryer-Muth will get our what we wanted from our Kyle Pitts usage, and it'll just send every fantasy analyst over the uh, edge and into oncoming traffic. I think you mean Connor Hayward, 
he's yeah, going to get all the usage. Yeah. More than likely. Yeah, um, absolutely. No, I mean, obviously we don't want to throw caution to the wind and, and run out to best case scenario with this coaching hire with any unknown commodity coming in and, and taking over. It's just like how it's more like it can't get worse. So like it has to get better. And even if he's not an incredible schemer of offense, if he just knows how to deploy his players and actually use them, Mm -hmm. we're going to see a lot more from these guys because they are talented. Like I still believe in Drake London. I still believe in Kyle Pitts. I still believe in B. John Robinson. That's not a hot take. Everybody believes in B. John Robinson, but I still think these guys are, are great. So if we can at least get a coach in there, who's going to actually let them be the feature of the offense that's going to, I mean, that's going to yield great results almost no matter what. And the thing about McVeigh, he has a tendency to use a bell cow running back for the most part. The guys that have broken off from him have done the same. He runs a lot of 11 personnel and he likes to keep his main guys on the field for long stretches of time. So you're not going to see what we saw last year where you're literally running a two minute drill to win the game. And that there's a, a, an offensive personnel grouping that does not feature Drake London, Kyle Pitts or Bijan Robinson on the field. Yeah. That was the moment that they should have just fired Arthur Smith on the spot. They literally ran out Michael Pruitt, Matt Collins, Cordero Patterson, Kaderil Hodge, and some other jabroni and had none of their playmakers <laughs> on the field. You're not going to see that this year. I can guarantee you. I, I totally agree with that. And I think this offense is going to be good. It just, I think that there is an opportunity if you are holding Drake Linden bags and you are looking for a way to use him to tear up at the position. I think that you should entertain those offers more now than maybe you had previously. I think he's very good. But again, he still has a quarterback problem. And if they take a rookie quarterback, will he be able to lift the rookie quarterback enough? Will he be given those reins? How will he handle it? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Yeah. I think that there's such buzz that again, if you can take the chance to look at a player who we would all deem as a, a face planner, really, at this point, uh, with his production. We love his target share and they are targets coming from Desmond fucking Ritter. Um, so say what you will about that and Taylor Heineke, et cetera, et cetera. But the grass isn't always greener on the QB front, let's say. So I think if there's an opportunity, and I'm probably going to be the most unliked person of all time after this podcast is over, and that's fine. I think if there's an opportunity to take Drake London and use him to tear up, I think that I would be doing that for every chance that I get. No, Tom is absolutely right. You need to go and trade Drake London immediately to me. Uh, if you're in a league with me, go ahead, trade me Drake London. I will take him off your hands. Yeah, no, I, I'm, tear up. I'm really just kidding. I'm, I'm actually kidding. I, I like Drake London, and I think he's going to have a perfectly fine price. But at the same time, the wide receiver position is so saturated with talent right now that I can't even say like, oh, you got to get Drake London here in this range. You got to get him in round five. Or you got to get him in round four. Like, there are just a bunch of other guys that'd be just as happy to have. So I don't really care if you want to go and get Drake London. I honestly, of all the Falcons, I feel the least strongly about Drake London because if he hits, if he hits, you're just, you're not going to be missing out on that much because what you're trading him off for at the position is the chance at the same type of ceiling. 
there's just so many wide receivers that are scoring points. What I'm interested in is, okay, Kyle Pitts says he's nursing That's this PCL one. injury all off season or all season. He clearly doesn't look right on the film. He's not utilized the way that he should be. We know he's a, a freaking unicorn. And now he's going to have this new offense where the coach is not going to be enamored with Johnny Smith's ability to run bubble screens. That's where I'm intrigued because his price has come down a ton. He's still younger than most of the rookie tight ends coming in this year. And I just think he's really good. I think he's going to be back to health and I'm really excited for what he could be. And the difference with him is if he does hit, there's like two or three other tight ends that are actually going to be able to keep pace with what he's going to bring to the table. So if there's somebody I'm buying on the low for an Atlanta bounce back, it's Kyle Pitts. And I can't tell you to do that listener because I've already done enough damage advising people to buy Kyle Pitts, but just know that I'm going to continue to do that. And, uh, and I, and I won't stop. It's different now because of the price. Kyle Pitts in the second round was a bad bet. Uh, I don't care who you are. Uh, Kyle Pitts in the second round, knowing damn well what this offense was, damn well who his coach was, and damn well what the outcome was. If you fell for Kyle Pitts in round two in your dynasty startups again, that's on you. Now we're getting round four, Kyle Pitts. Now that, that's palatable. That is a price that I will pay. Can I tell you something? I would love to hear what you he, have to say. He went 5-2 in my last startup Perfect. mock. We smashed that. Beautiful. We smash it. And yeah. we should want to buy in your right at that price. And maybe somebody wants to get out. Maybe. I don't. There are plenty of people that but, want to get out. But now now you can. Now, if you're trying to get out for my Trey McBride, I'm going to tell you to go kick rocks because Trey McBride is him. But I, I think you're right and that this is the opportunity you've been waiting for i'm just remembering that trade that we made where i literally sent you kyle pitts and drake london and you sent me trey mcbride and unfortunately stefan diggs who's obviously washed now but um yeah i have to go back and look and see who actually won that trade but it's it's just funny how you were saying don't trade me trey mcbride and that's who you traded me yeah different circumstances different no i think it was a good trade for you i think it was a good trade for you i just think it's funny given the context But um, get out of your Stefan Diggs. Yeah, I got For anyone wondering. I was not in the playoffs. I had just got eliminated. So I acquired Stefan Diggs three times in the last four weeks of the season. And I am so sad right now. Yeah, that he, he offensive went... coordinator switch is terrifying. And then they're keeping yeah. him on. So I'm. Yeah, it's mortified and anticipating a uh, CD Carter esque meme post from from Stefan Diggs about holding a knife and walking silently. Right. And no, literally. Yeah. Everything it's not else from him. But I, I think Kyle Pitts is definitely the guy. I mean, again, you're not getting discount Bijan Robinson. So stop it. Um, if you see that tweet, mute it. Um, have you heard the Jameer Gibbs overall RB one drum beat though? Yeah. I have no issue with that. Oh, I have a huge issue with that. Cause he's not, definitely not the rb1 i have i have no issue with somebody wanting jameer gibbs over Bijan robinson it doesn't bother me at all i have i don't even have like a strong take about it i would take i would take 
you gave me the right plus for either, I'd be happy. Nick, I currently have them as two. I you're on the have clock in a startup. RB two. You're in the clock in a startup, and they're they're no no trades, no at cost or whatever. You you still rather have Bijan, right? He is my dynasty RB one. Fair enough. And Gibbs is two, so you have Hall three. Yes. Okay. I've got it. Bijan Hall Gibbs. So why personally. not? So why not Gibbs then? I I don't. It's not even like a not Gibbs thing. It's just there's a ceiling with Bijan that I think doesn't exist with Gibbs, or at least isn't as reasonable with Gibbs. I think Bijan has an ability to dominate the workload in a way that Gibbs doesn't. Like if I told you one of these guys has a 75% rush share next season, it's Bijan, right? Like it's not, there's, there's no world where you think that that's Gibbs next season i don't know i i just don't know how how we can project like montgomery's on a friendly deal he's played well he was more efficient than gibbs in the playoff game he's gonna be back i just don't see any way where gibbs is is just manhandling that backfield and when you look at the passing game you know we're inclined to think okay gibbs he's the passing game back he's the cmc guy okay well Bijan robinson has 17 percent target share this season that's like the fifth highest for any first round running back in the past decade plus like that that's in the camara mccaffrey zone almost so when i'm looking at a guy if, if one of these guys is going to have 75 percent of the running back opportunities and get 90 targets next season i think it's Bijan. i don't think it's gibbs fair i think gibbs uh gibbs plays in the better offense which will give him the better yeah touchdown ability that's, which that's which fair. can really make or break the difference i mean it's not like gibbs didn't have multiple 25 plus games as well like his ceiling is still very much there I think yeah. you're right in keeping him at one because his floor, as you said, is just so ridiculously good with upside as well. I also, I yeah. mean, and I love Lions Jameer offense Gibbs. is the most efficient offense I've I've actually ever seen in my yeah. life when I watch games. It's disgusting. No, they're awesome. But, um, I I I mean, we're talking about splitting some hairs there. Yeah, with, we're splitting with one, two, and three. And I don't know I, what I'm not saying here. I love yeah. Gibbs. He's actually my most owned running back in Dynasty. I love him. I just yeah. don't see the the same absolute ceiling. Yeah. And if one of these guys was going to rattle off three consecutive RB1 overall years, I'm still betting on that being Bijan. I agree. Based on what we've seen. So that's that's all. Yeah, I just I just don't have a strong like, oh my God. <laughs> like someone being like, yeah, I want, I want Gibbs. I'm like, all right, that's some recency bias there, but I mean, I get it, I sure. get it. And I You're think like, as the, long I as think, you take, as long as you take Brock Purdy over both of them, yeah, I mean, that's the only responsible yeah. thing that we can tell people <laughs> to do with their time. But uh, back to coaching, yeah. man, you got a real, we got to reel me in. Like you got to remember that who you're who you're talking to sometimes. Yeah, I think temper expectations. I think I would move out of Drake London and I would buy Kyle Pitts at his current price. And you should always buy Bijan if I were to wrap that up. Totally agree. Love it. We're not going to get into every other coach because we have rambled on for quite a long time. Um, so we're going to close it out here with a little Panthers talk, real quick. Dave Canales, we, we teased him earlier, so I just want to circle back around to him before we get out of here. You've mentioned how every quarterback he's worked with has had success. He worked with Russell Wilson during Russ's career year, um, Geno Smith career year, Baker Mayfield career year. So now he's running the team for Bryce Young. Uh, maybe there's some hope there. Would you be feeling out Bryce Young manager's 
Are, is this is this something that's tangibly moving your feelings about Bryce Young going into next season? No. No, it's not. Because I like Canales. I think he's a very good um, quarterback coach, QB whisperer, if you would. But now we're getting back into the situation of a very young guy who now has to worry about the entire team, installing the offense, and yada, yada. And then... Uh, still deal with wide receiver one, Adam Thielen. And you might be the best QB whisperer in the world. But if you look at the teams that you just mentioned with Russ, who is way better than people want to give him credit for in his time in the NFL, still had weapons. More weapons than what Bryce Young will have. And then, okay, well, Geno Smith, DK Metcalf, and Tyler Lockett, very good weapons. And Baker Mayfield who had Mike Evans and, you know, Chris Godwin to work with. Just good weapons as well, and this is part of the weapons to quarterback success debate that exists no matter what we want to what we want to say about it. Right. I have always liked Bryce Young as a buy as soon as he got passed to that, like, 112 first-round pick price. Unfortunately, I think this is going to put him above that, which means I'm out. That's fair. Yeah, it could raise his price. I mean, there's going to be some hype around the new coach and people are going to catch on to this trend. It's not a secret. People know that Canales has had a lot of success with quarterbacks. So I think that's a good instinct there. He's probably going to rise in value. So if you're keen on getting some Bryce Young exposure, it would be now would be the time before his price adjusts. Yeah. Um, but for me, it, it is going to come down to the cost. I'm not really sold on a bounce back. And I think a bounce back for him is not getting to what we thought he could be. It's getting to Jared Goff. You know, it's getting to kind of an 18 point per game type of ceiling. He's not going to be a runner. He's not going to be a generational passer. So where does that leave him? It leaves him in that low end QB one sort of ceiling bucket. And and I'm not really interested in taking on the risk if that's going to come with a substantial price, I would just rather take the older quarterbacks that I already know are doing that. Um, I'd rather just take Will Levis. I'd rather take Baker Mayfield way later. Uh, I just, it's just not probably not going to be appealing to me and they're probably not going to have a ton of playmakers on that offense, as you pointed out. So it still seems like more of a stay away situation to me. And we don't know for sure if, if Canales is going to make this transition to head coach as smoothly as we might hope. We should treat Bryce Young like we treat dead zone running backs in drafts where we just say no. Because he's going to go in that fifth and sixth round range, and I just want to say no. Just say no. That's because, fine. Because, like you said, he's. I don't think he's going to be a generational passer. Not saying that it can't happen. Don't see it happening. Terrible situation, et cetera. Like we, we can run down the list with, with what Bryce Young has to deal with. It's just a reality that the bottom tier of quarterbacks has improved, right? This is just cause and effect. Now the bottom tier of quarterbacks is moving their way up drafts, but yet there's still the round nine to 10 Matt Stafford type player, the Kirk cousin. If you want to take that gamble, the Aaron Rodgers, if you want to take that gamble and I'm willing to bet that nine times out of 10, a player looking at the board is going to go, no, thanks. I'm good. And then in leagues, 
are you willing to go and pay up at all, really, to move up from a Stafford, Baker, Cousins, Rodgers to go and acquire Bryce Young? Probably not. So this is a classic situation of a buy low that doesn't exist because you're still buying at market, and for what is the yeah. issue? So sometimes you can just pass on a player. Afraid. You can just yes. say, you can just say, I I don't like I don't know what's gonna happen here. I don't really care to find out. Like I'm just gonna let somebody else fall on that grenade. Like I, that's what I did with Jordan Love. It and obviously didn't work out for me, but I I don't really feel bad about how I played it. I just said I, I'm gonna get out at market on the Jordan love that I have. And I'm going to let somebody else figure that out. And you know what? They won. (laughs) They won, but it doesn't always go that way. Sometimes it it goes the other way. You can can get out early. I don't have one off the top of my head right now. Daniel Jones, you know, is one of those guys. Sam Howell is one of those guys. Oh, Sam Howell. He's look at, he's leading the league in passing yards. You got to go get Sam Howell. Why don't you just, just sit it out because now he's a 15th round startup pick. So, getting you know, replaced sometimes that's how it goes yeah he is absolutely getting replaced he's he got replaced by jacoby Brissett, and he's going to get replaced by drake may very soon the jordan love thing man just yeah there's he's talk about another guy um who's gonna outprice himself from my favor <laughs> <laughs> he's moving up man he's moving up he's gonna get he's gonna push his way up to that two one spot you think purdy should should occupy He's uh yeah. he's almost there already. So it is getting it's getting crazy with the hype there. But I don't know if it's I don't know if it's totally unwarranted. It's it's he tough. was so good, man. He was yeah. so good. System quarterback, am I right? System fucking <laughs> right? It has to be at this point. Like LaFleur, buddy, relax. You can't look that good and churn out elite offenses that often. Okay? Yeah. Like you can't we let Green Bay get away with it again. We let him get away from the Magic Man to Favre to Rogers to Jordan Love. I just don't understand it. I blame myself. I don't know. Tom, this has been delightful. I've really uh, I've had a great time chatting with you tonight. We're gonna close this show out. So please let me know if you have any final thoughts, and please let the listeners know where they can find your work, what they can expect from you in the future. I apologize to you, Paul, for every listener that you're going to lose this week uh, as I ramble about absolute nonsense. But if you're interested in what we're doing, obviously Fantasy Points is the home for all of our content. I mean, if you're new or late to the game, Full Tilt really doesn't exist anymore. Um after years of work, Dynasty Points is now the new home. So if you're looking for that podcast, you must go to the Fantasy Points podcast um, listings and find Dynasty Points. Really easy to do. It means a lot if you head over there, Jacob, myself, and Lucas. And now the second Dynasty Points show, uh, Dynasty Points Market Report, uh, will be with myself. Tom Lee is coming back. And uh, Twitter, Twitter bro, hashtag watch the game. Uh, Andy Buckler will be joining us as well for Dynasty Points Market Report. Obviously, with uh, Scott Barrett, Graham Barfield, Brett Whitefield, all the all the big names, John Hansen popping in and talking fantasy football with us, where we do every week. Of course, the graphics, the editing, the everything, you name it, we do it. And 
currently working on building some of the best dynasty football tools that don't exist yet. So we'll be on the lookout for that. We'll be promoing all of that. And we record the next Dynasty Points episode Thursday night. So that'll be out by the weekend. Paul, again, thank you. I've wanted to see you branch out on your own for a while. I had harassed you to do it. You're doing it. And I'm happy and proud of you for doing it. I apologize for the two-hour episode. I feel like that's pretty on par with all the others. Pretty close anyway. And and have your editor uh, take out everything that I said that sounded <laughs> Well, then the show's going to be a lot shorter. Or I'm going to hit you with the second cease and desist request that that fantasy Twitter will see this week. Seems to be going around. Well, the cease and desist stuff, guys. Thank you for the kind words. All the fantasy point stuff sounds exciting. You guys keep an eye out for that. For myself, you can find me here on the Pure Potential podcast. Of course, follow the show if you don't mind. Leave a rating if you feel like it. You follow me on Twitter at Paul Patterson FF. Go follow Tom at El Nostra Thomas. This has been great. I will talk to you guys next week. Mm-hmm.